Hey there, we're coming at you from the green couch here at BCP. Can you show me how to send a fax? I don't know how to do it. So first and honestly last fax of my life so far, but... What is your dog really thinking? Yeah. Does your cat really love you? (laughs) Answer is no. (laughs) You can forget the news in an instant, but a good story can stay with you for a lifetime. My name is Catherine. I'm a copywriter and digital specialist, and today I'm joined by Paula Davenport. Paula is the editor of Spartan, the alumni magazine over at Michigan State University, and she's held several positions in traditional media and journalism throughout her career. Today we're diving into whether or not traditional media is still relevant in today's digital world. Hi, Paula. Hi. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. So you were naturally the first person that I thought of um, because I just, I know the passion that you have for traditional media and print pieces and tactile communication um, and all of that. So can you tell me a little bit about your career path, your experience with traditional media? Yes. Um, I graduated in 1975 from Southern Illinois University in Carbondale and I went to the J School. My concentration was photojournalism. Uh, My whole idea there was to learn both print um, writing and photography because I thought it would help me get a job sooner, and it did. (laughs) So over the course of my lifetime, I've been at this business for 44 years. I have worked at print newspapers, uh, probably a dozen in six different states for a total of 12 years. I've been in higher ed, first at my alma mater for 13 years, then at the University of Idaho, and most recently at Michigan State University, where I've been editing Spartan for about five years. Nice, nice. Why would you say that you're passionate about what you do? I love being able to find the very best stories that are out there. And most people don't have the kind of front row access that you get as a journalist and as an editor. And it's just an honor to be able to discover those, to have the time, to have the access, to be able to sit down and get to know people, and then tell their stories to help inspire others in our reading audience. And it's fun. You know, it's hard work. It's fun, though. And we have, I think, a beautiful product. It's been redesigned as of fall 2017. And I think it holds its uh, holds its own on the um, coffee table test. Yeah, that's Spartan Magazine. That's been Spartan the Magazine. Yeah. Yes. What do you think it is about traditional media that really lends to that long form format that we're talking about that really helps um, the content that you create shine? Studies have shown that people who read information in print actually retain it longer, and. I think the thing that people love about magazines is you can curl up with them. You don't have to recharge it. You don't have to have your cell phone with you. You don't have to worry about the internet connection or having a wireless feed. So it just lends itself to really good storytelling, and it's a chance to expand in a way that stories can't be told as easily on the web because I think people lose interest quickly when they're reading on a screen for the most part. Uh, Magazines provide a bit of luxury to people and it's a little bit of me time. Um, Our biggest competitor, I think, is not other magazines, but it's time itself. Our readers are uber busy 
And so we really have to cut through the craziness of their day, their obligations, and provide them with something that is worth a good read in order to really stand out. So when your readers read the alumni magazine, they're much more likely to make certain decisions that are strategic for the university. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, We did a readership survey before our 2017 redesign, um, and we were really thrilled to find out that even before we changed the look and feel of the magazine and gave it a new name, that alumni and donors and friends have such a good relationship with this publication that's existed for at least more than 30 years. Um, Actually, 100, if I tell you the truth. Um, And we found that readers who spend 30 to 60 minutes with the magazine, the value of that adds up to they're willing to come back to campus for a visit. They're willing to volunteer on behalf of the Spartan community. They often recommend the school to others, and they're more likely to donate to a cause at Michigan State. Our mission statement is really to encourage love, pride, and respect for Michigan State University. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like once you're able to attract those readers and really draw them in, from a marketing perspective, it's all worth it because the conversion value is so high. If you can get somebody to feast on the product that you provide them, the magazine that you provide them, they're just they're much more likely to make other decisions that will benefit the institution at large. years in journalism and over 30 in higher ed. Is that 21. Right? Oh, 21 in higher ed. How have you seen traditional media and communication change throughout your career? Okay, this is where I get to date myself. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated in 1975 with my bachelor's degree. The internet wasn't a thing yet. Yes. <laughs> I was wowed when fax machines hit the market because to tell you the honest truth, we purchased a big, fancy, lovely set of encyclopedias when our daughter was young, Mm -hmm. and I often referred to them when I was doing research for stories um, for newspapers. A fax machine, being able to deliver court documents and other kinds of materials to my door was just amazing. It was great. I didn't have to get in the car and go to the library. I didn't have to show up at somebody's office. So there have been so many changes Um, over the course of my career that is really mind-boggling. It is. Yeah. That's funny because, uh, full disclosure, Paula is my former boss. And (laughs) in uh, my previous position, I had to send a fax and had no idea how to do it. And so I showed up at Paula's door with my paper in hand and a sad, sad face. And I said, can you show me how to send a fax? I don't know how to do it. So first and honestly last facts of my life so far, but anyways, I digress. (laughs) So in a world of shrinking newsrooms, of bite-sized communication in tweets and blog posts, are traditional pieces still relevant for, for marketing purposes, for communication purposes? Absolutely. I think you only have to look at the Farmer's Almanac to realize it's still in print, and it even has a competitor now. That publication started in 1818. Um, There are more print 
products in the way of magazines today, uh, as far as titles, than there have been, I think, ever before. Um, the niche market seems to be specialty publications, and I would put alumni magazines in that uh, category. You only have to look to see um, companies and products that are launching their own publications. Airbnb has a magazine. Red Bull has an incredible magazine that features adventure sports, and it's beautiful, really high production values. You know, 60-year-old, well, I might be different than most, but most 60-year-olds probably aren't drinking and reading Red Bull, but it's fabulous. So I know young people still like to get print media. Um, our readership survey that we did in about 2016 showed that people of all age groups from 18 all the way up to 80 plus prefer to read print. Um, and then second most popular was having a mix of both print and the availability to read things online. And you can really get absorbed in a, in a great story. You can forget the news in an instant, but a good story can stay with you for a lifetime. Yeah. It sounds like traditional media has really stood the test of time. I don't know if you would agree with that. I do. So, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about it helped it to stand the test of time when digital is competing with it? Um, I think digital actually complements all of the print publications. Um, even the Farmer's Almanac has its own website now. It has its own Facebook page. Um, so you get to meet readers where they are. And it's also wonderful because you can prevent different kind, present different kinds of media that you can't strictly in a print publication, whether it's a photo gallery, um, a video, a podcast, um, you know, a full interview with someone that was excerpted mm. for the magazine. So they really complement one another, and they drive cross-traffic, and that's the best of all the worlds. Do you incorporate digital pieces into your traditional strategy in order to attract younger people? Like, do you see a difference? Traditional is the older population, and digital is the younger population. Is it, like, black and white like that? I do think so, although you have to be careful, because boomers like me want to be hip and cool and I'm you know that that's dated right there <laughs> <laughs> you want to be let's see what what does she want to be you want to be lit yes. and woke. I see woke yes <laughs> you, you want to be woke <laughs> there you go <laughs> and um I've forgotten the question. Um, oh, have they kind of is, leveled off? Yes. Is it is it black and white? Is is digital young and traditional old? Sorry, don't mean to use the word. <laughs> I really do think it is. Uh, I think where we most can determine how things have have changed is in our newsletter. Uh, it was called at MSU. We recently rebranded it, so it's called Spartan. It goes out once a month on the first of every month, and it has a sharp redesign and a new focus to try to appeal to younger readers that we probably don't get in the magazine as frequently, although we would like to. But when you integrate traditional and digital, um, it really just creates one big strong strategy. So if you're going to make the investment in 
producing a 60 page magazine and doing the high quality content, high quality photography, you better make that work for everything else. You know, it's, it's not like, just, just like you said, it's not a one shot thing. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to put the investment in, then you let it in enforce and strengthen every other part of it too. So in your opinion, what makes a traditional piece like Spartan Magazine, like a, like a print advertisement that you're carrying around in your wallet, what makes a traditional piece stand out and cut through the noise? We, you know, have an endless world of tweets and blog posts and stuff. What, what makes it cut through? Um, one of the things we did in our redesign was to try to make it feel like it was uh, the magazine is specific to Spartans, so we use some insider language. The front of the book is where we had news. We call that Beneath the Pines, and that's an uh, homage to our Shadows alma mater song. Um, the back of the book is where we have class notes, which we have expanded. It used to be about a dozen individuals who were featured each time on a single page. Our class notes have increased to about 50 plus per issue. So we know that our alums out there want to share news of their promotions, their new jobs, etc., with other alumni. And that's also another touch point for us to be able to reach out to them and share the publication. Um, if they don't receive it already, we can encourage them to do so. And it's a great way to re-engage people in a way that, um, and that's primarily, I think, mid young to mid-career professionals, which is an audience we want to grow. Well, I have a few rapid-fire questions for you, which okay. I did not give you a chance to prep for. Okay. <laughs> By design, um, can you tell me three magazines that are on your coffee table at home right now? Okay, between me and my husband. Yes, between... Okay. <laughs> There was a preface to this, folks. <laughs> she she may she may be embarrassed about what's about to come out. <laughs> yes, between you and Scott. Okay, so on his side of the table, there's Car and Driver, um, Motor Trend, Men's Health. Um, I can't think of it right now. And on my side of the table, we have National Geographic. Uh, I bring home alumni magazines from other schools because we have an exchange program amongst ourselves as editors, and I get a lot of great ideas from what I get to look at there. It's such a big, big stack that I can't even drill down <laughs> That's all okay. the way. That's okay. <laughs> um, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Okay, this was a self-discovery thing, and it wasn't it didn't come from someone else, it came from inside. When I first started my career, um, I really wanted to delve more into the photojournalism side because I thought I had a pretty good start on the writing end of things. So I went with a friend of mine who was a very accomplished photographer and I noticed something and it changed the way I approach everything in my world. He wasn't afraid to get close to his subject. Um, the subject at that moment, it was a reenactment of a Civil War engagement. So it was taking place in these big rolling hills, and he was right up there with the guys firing off their muskets and the drummers and the fife players and all that kind of stuff. And I was standing on the edge of the periphery, and I realized that, you know, I may have been socialized as a woman, not to get too close and to mind my space. 
but I thought, I'm never going to be any good at this stuff unless I, too, can break that barrier and not be afraid to get close to the action, whether it's being close to a source or something that's going on, um, being willing to play the devil's advocate when you're interviewing someone, being able to get the best photograph you can um, when you're out there in the field. So it was really um, self-taught. And it was a big discovery for me, and it really changed my world. If you weren't a magazine editor, what would you be? I'd go back to reporting news. Yeah. Unfortunately, it just it, that's what keeps me up at night is the fact that there are diminishing newsrooms. There is a diminishing investment in real reporting, investigative reporting, um, good photography, photojournalism. Our world needs truth and honesty right now. Um, there's so much editorializing that is going on in what used to be fairly well-balanced media that I really think we need to invest more in in reporting and, and uh, journalism, really good journalism. That's why it's called the Fourth Estate. Who else is going to keep government um, accountable? And it's something that I think we're going to miss sorely if we don't staunch the blood flow now. Mm -hmm. So, Paula, if I want to find out more about the work that you do, where can I go? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, if you would like to become um, a subscriber, and I use the term loosely, please go to givingto.msu.edu. If you give $100 or more a year, you'll start to receive the magazine. Then if you want to take a look at the digital magazine, please go to the alumni website, alumni.msu.edu. It's about halfway down the page. You'll see the cover. Click on it. It opens up, and you're, you'll be, I think, thrilled with what you find. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about traditional media. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. It was such an honor. Happy to have you. All right. And that was our conversation for today. Thanks for listening, folks. You can hear the rest of our podcasts on iTunes or at bloomcreative.com.